0: This podcast is part of the Darkness Collective. Visit darkness.org to discover more shows like this one. The Darkness Awaits.
1: It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, here, Billy's going. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast, you won't ever change. These two here they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome
0: to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Pauly
1: and their dog ninja. What's that? What's that? This is Justin Rimmel from Mysterious Circumstances and Rev. 9-6. This is Jerry
0: and Tracy from, from Hillbilly, Hillbilly Horror Stories. Horror
1: Stories. Do, Do we, we have, have a special, special treat for you. By now, you know that we are doing a live episode in Atchison, Kansas on August 10th.
0: Atchison is home to the infamous Sally House.
1: Atchison is one of the most haunted towns in America. So with the help of Maria Miller, we have an entire weekend in store for you.
0: This is Maria Miller, Tourism Director for Atchison, Kansas. We're excited to welcome all of your listeners to the most haunted town in Kansas and one of the most haunted towns in the country, Atchison, where history repeats itself every single day in the most unusual of ways. You better get your tickets now because we have lots of exciting events planned for you.
1: Besides our live show at Palucci Restaurant, which is one of the most haunted restaurants in America, there will be haunted trolley rides, cemetery tours, tours of the Sally House, and even an investigation of the Sally House. If you're not too scared, you can get your tickets for all of the Atchison events at HillbillyHorrorStories.com. See you in Kansas. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 146 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry.
0: And I'm Tracy.
1: And it feels good to be recording again. It's been a couple of weeks because we crammed all those different episodes together so we could take that trip to Houston.
0: I know. I did. It seems like we haven't recorded in forever.
1: And now we're back to our regular schedule, so. Yeah. Which would be cramming everything out together just like before we went to Houston. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a fun episode tonight. We're going to be doing something a little bit different than we've really done in the past. We're going to talk more about cursed objects okay. than we are hauntings. Okay. So, very little, very little paranormal. Objects like to
0: be cursed, too, you they know. They do.
1: They do. There's uh, one of the stories where we got some decent paranormal stuff to go with it. Mm-hmm. And then the other story, really, there's no paranormal okay. at all to it. But first and foremost, we always want to thank all of our um, military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you guys for everything that you do.
0: Amen, brother
1: and, and we, sisters. We've had a lot of people, uh, military-wise, contact us in the last yes. couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. and uh, thank us for mentioning that. And the military brats as well. Thank yes. you guys for thank all you that so you much. deal with. A lot of changing schools and traveling and stuff like that. It's got to be tough on you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we love you guys.
1: With that being said, we also want to point out that um, we do have the Wall of Heroes up on our website where if you are a member of a civil service or a member of the military ex uh member of the military which i know you guys always feel like you're always a member even if you're out but send us your picture we want to put it up on the wall we did get a couple of those this week but Good. we've not mentioned that for a while so send us a picture we'll put it up on the wall for us
0: absolutely we'd love to see your gorgeous faces
1: this uh last couple of weeks has also been an eye-opener with the um Depression situation. Um, We've had a lot of people contact us, got to meet a lot of people in Houston. And, you know, the common theme was thank you for what you do. We're starting to see it in the reviews that pop up Mm -hmm. that this is a big deal to people. Uh, So, you know, we feel obligated just because it's the right thing to do. Of
0: course. And we love everybody and we want you all to be healthy and happy and, and just know that you can reach out to us or anybody. If you just need to talk or whatever, we're always here for you.
1: You know, and and it seems like that, I think the, the whole mental health thing is something that people are, in the last two, three, four years, are really starting to become more open about. It used to be something that was like, you know, we can't mention anything about that ever. You know, it was like people were uh embarrassed by it or or what have you and now more and more people are realizing it's nothing to be embarrassed about it's just not. something that needs to come out and it's you know i was being human yeah we got to spend a little bit of time in memphis and yeah. uh you know i've read some stories not while we were there but just because of my renewed interest in elvis for a couple of days and i read some stories about some of the the mental health problems he was having mm-hmm. uh, near the end of his life and yeah. the things that you know some days he would sleep in for like three, four, five days because he was so depressed and Uh the lifestyle. And, um, so, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, you're, you're never too good or too rich or too famous or, or anything to be able to be touched by, um, some depression. So just thought it was important to bring that up that, you know, you're people out there that, that are more famous, uh, than just regular people had the same issues that regular people have. and just I you think know. we're
0: all famous. There, I said it. And I made Elvis happy. I bought some Elvis flip-flops and a daggone shirt.
1: You made Graceland happy. I don't know if you made Elvis happy. Well,
0: that's true. But anyway. You made
1: the Elvis estate happy. <laughs> so anyways, if you do need to reach out, uh, obviously you can reach out to us. You can reach out to the Suicide Hotline, 1-800-275-8255. And if you're more of a texter, 741-741, and join our group if you'd like to.
0: Yeah, please do.
1: It's uh, very, very um, encouraging to see the support that others give in that group. you guys are the greatest. So let's get to our story, because we're about six minutes in, and you know we'll get complaints if we're not on our story real quick. I already
0: got a complaint this week, because I'm over it. (laughs) So whatever, whatever you said, heifer.
1: You don't know that that person was a heifer?
0: Well, in my mind, is You don't uh, even know if it was a he. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> but I still love you. It's okay.
1: All right. So, let's talk about some Hollywood curses. Ooh. Now, Hollywood definitely it has got its share of ghost stories. We know that. We've touched on some of them. Will you quit picking and stuff I while know, I'm, I'm s- trying to?
0: I'm sorry. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> I'm itching because we got really burnt in Houston or in Galveston last week and we're like shedding like snakes around here. Go ahead. Okay. Gosh.
1: Some of these ghost stories, they go all the way back to the silent film days. But Hollywood also has a few famous cursed objects. Now, these objects aren't necessarily from Hollywood itself, but more uh, belongings to Hollywood stars. So, tonight we're going to share maybe two of the biggest ones that are out there. The first one's going to be Rudolph Valentino's ring, and then we're going to talk about James Dean's Porsche, better known as Little Bastard.
0: Hmm, That's an interesting name.
1: So we're going to start with Rudolph Valentino. So those of you younger than Tracy may not know who Valentino is. (laughs) (laughs) He was Hollywood's first real superstar. Superstar. He was back from the silent film days, obviously, and he was better known by his nickname, The Latin Lover. That was a very odd name because he was born in Italy. Oh. So I guess maybe that was just shows what time it was. He was born in Italy, obviously, like I said, in 1895, and was considered one of the greatest silent film stars ever. He was in 14 major silent films. That's a lot of movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, come on, you didn't have to remember no lines.
1: That's true. What do you have to do?
0: Just get out there and act a fool and get paid for
1: it. (laughs) So he was in a movie called The Sheik, which came out in 1921, and that was by far his biggest movie. And after that, they changed his nickname from the Latin lover to the great lover. It's a big upgrade there, I guess. Unfortunately, at the age of 31, in 1926, Rudolph Valentino died Of a perforated ulcer.
0: Oh, my gosh. Was he in a wreck or something?
1: No. No, there's really, I think it's just lifestyle or what have you. Oh, his
0: lifestyle? Yeah, we
1: don't really get, it doesn't really get a whole lot into how he got the perforated ulcers, but we'll get into a little more about it. I don't, I don't know if that can give you ulcers. Of course, I would have no way of knowing that. So, since his death, there have been numerous sightings of his ghost. Some mediums say that he's still using his sexual magnetism on women, while others seem to think that he's just looking for the ring that may have led to his demise. So let's talk about this ring. This ring was nothing special. I mean, it was a simple silver ring that had a tiger eye stone on it. He got this thing in 1920. Mm-hmm. So, Rudolph was, was looking around in one of these jewelry shops in San Francisco. He fell in love with it and he says, I got to have it. Now, you know what a, a tiger eye stone is? Mm-mm. Picture what a cat's eye looks like with Mm-mm. brown, with the black yeah. middle. Well, that's what the stone looks
0: like. Well, I mean, like. I kind of thought that. I was just going to tell me something different. No,
1: well, I just wanted to make sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't always, trust me, I can't always think what you're thinking. Yeah. Which think is a blessing and a curse. Bite me. So the shop owner told him, before he even bought this ring, that previous owners of it had had some runs with some very bad luck. Hmm. Valentino kind of shrugged it off, and he bought it anyway.
0: Oh, wait a minute. You said the store told him that it's been bad luck, that ring had been bad luck? Yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: So Valentino shows it to a real good friend of his, right after he buys it. And the friend says that he immediately saw an image of a pale and sick Valentino when he showed it to him. That, like, popped in his head. No way. But he proceeds to wear it in his next movie called The Young Raja. Keep in mind, this is, this is his movie right after The Sheik, which was his biggest movie. Mm-hmm. Biggest box office hit made him even a bigger star than he'd ever been. So he goes out and does this next movie, The Young Raja. The movie was a huge box office flop.
0: <gasps> Stop. It's because of the ring. Uh... <laughs> Seven days.
1: So, considering this came off his most popular film, and he was a huge sex symbol. Right. That seems very odd that, that movie would just be a flop. Yeah. Millions of women loved him. But for some reason, they didn't show up for this movie and bought tickets. It was so bad that he didn't get another movie for two years. That's how bad this thing that flopped. crazy. And when he did get another one, it flopped too. So, he starts thinking, well, maybe there's something to this cursed ring thing. He puts the ring away. He makes the follow-up to the Sheik, the son of Sheik, and in New York, when they're doing the premiere, he decides to break out the ring again. While he was wearing this ring, he gets deathly ill. He has to go have an emergency surgery done for a bleeding ulcer, which is what a perforated Mm -hmm. ulcer is. He then developed an infection from the surgery and died in 1926 at the age of 31 years old.
0: I mean, why did you have to put that stupid ring back on? Why?
1: A hundred thousand people showed up and stood outside of the funeral home.
0: A hundred,
1: A hundred thousand? A hundred thousand people. So does this sound like the ring is cursed?
0: Um, yeah.
1: Well, wait till you hear the rest of the story. Because this was just the beginning.
0: Oh my gosh, but he's dead.
1: That's true. But after he died... I know you're excited, Ninja, but you'll have to listen like everybody else. Don't get all (laughs) antsy. So after he dies, his girlfriend, named by uh, Pola Negri, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Negri, Uh she's told that she can pick one of his belongings as a memento. She chose the ring.
0: What a dumb butt.
1: Now, Valentino was a pretty well-known actor, but she was no slouch herself. She was a well-known actress as well. But after she gets this ring, though, she comes down with this strange illness that lasted over a year. The doctors really couldn't pinpoint what it was. Now, during this time that she was off on her little hiatus because she couldn't make any movies during this time, (laughs) silent films became replaced with talkies, and that pretty much put an end to her career. Because she was a silent film star, and it was a whole different market once people could talk.
0: Oh my gosh. Did she? I wonder if she didn't know about the cursed ring with him.
1: Probably, I mean, I don't know because of the fact that this was so early on Mm -hmm. in in what's about to happen. So she may not have. So Paula Negri then meets this man by the name of Russ Colombo. Now, Russ was a struggling singer, but he looked amazingly like Rudolph Valentino. Mm. She pointed that out to him and she gives him the ring and says, here, from one Valentino to another. Now, some of you will hear this and you'll think, oh, how sweet.
0: Well, I guess I think so.
1: I heard it and I thought, Uh, what a bitch-ass move that was. Yeah. (laughs) She basically just pawned his cursed ring off on this man. Mm -hmm. So within a few days of receiving this ring, Columbo was killed in a mysterious shooting.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: So then Russ, Columbo's cousin, gave the ring to Russ's best friend. Almost like, she got it. Here you go, man. Here's something of his. His name was Joe Casino, as his his friend was, and he was also an entertainer, I guess in Hollywood, almost everybody was. So Joe seemed to get the uh, gist of of what was going on, and he kind of felt like maybe there might have been something with the ring. So he puts the ring under glass. He refused to wear it, and he refused to remove it. From its container, even when a Valentino museum asked if, if they could put it on loan in their place, mm-hmm. no. It's like Annabelle. He's like, no, it's staying in this case, Good not for moving. Him. Well, you would think, but time passed, and Joe Casino started thinking, well, nothing odds happened, and the whole time I've had it, maybe it's all just a bunch of BS.
0: So he didn't get it.
1: So, well, he, he <laughs> to be wearing it. He decided to start wearing the ring. So a week later, while wearing the ring, he was hit. By a truck and killed.
0: Wow, that is insane.
1: Joe's brother Del Casino then takes possession of the ring. Not only did Del laugh at the idea of the ring being cursed, he flat up said that he would be would not be intimidated by an old wives tale.
0: But it's not even about a wives tale. It's about have you not seen everything that's happened to all these people?
1: But some people some people it doesn't matter what that it's all gonna be a coincidence to him. It's just the way that it That's is. That's a lot
0: of coincidences.
1: <laughs> so, anyways, he wore the ring for a while, nothing happened. He also put it on loan to a Valentino collector who had no issues. So the curse is broken. Wrong. So you see, one night a burglar broke into Del Casino's home and he grabbed some items, he ran from the house, was running down the street. A policeman shot and killed him.
0: I guess he had the ring.
1: Well, supposedly, the policeman said this was a warning shot.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> While but, he was but, shooting him? <laughs> but he hit him. And I guess it's kind of like in basketball, like a real good free throw shooter when you are tell them to miss a free throw at the end of the mm-hmm. game. Sometimes they just can't because mm-hmm. yeah, it's so not in happens. their blood. So yeah. maybe he was just that good. I don't know. But one of the possessions that the robber had was that ring. So shortly after this incident, a producer by the name of Edward Small He was wanting to make a movie about Rudolph Valentino's life, and he asked if he could use it for the movie. Dell said, yeah, okay, that's fine, and he gives the man the ring to use for the film. So there was this 21-year-old skater by the name of Jack Dunn, and he was going to try out for the part of Rudolph Valentino. During the screen test, he was asked to put on the ring and one of Valentino's old costumes. Two weeks later, at the age of 21, Dunn died of a rare blood disease.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: So Casino decided, enough's enough. He had the ring put under lock and key where no one could ever wear it again. So let's fast forward a year after Dunn passed away from his blood disease. A Los Angeles bank was robbed. They got away with $200,000 in cash. Police caught two of the gang members in an ambush. Three innocent bystanders were injured during that time. Mm -hmm. Now, Alfred Hahn, who was the, uh, the ringleader of the gang, was caught at a later time. In his trial, in court, Hahn was convicted and given life in prison. And he said on the stand, if he knew what else was in that vault that they robbed, besides the money, he would have picked a different bank. Because within that vault,
0: was the ring. Del
1: Casino had put the ring away in a safe deposit box in that bank, in that vault.
0: Of all vaults, why did he pick that one? I
1: don't know. So Del Casino eventually passed away, and the executors to his estate continued to keep uh, the ring there at the bank. In a five-year period, the bank was robbed again for $50,000. It had a fire, which did no damage at all to the the ring. And there was a three-week cashier strike. All during a five-year stretch in which that ring was there. So the last report of the ring's whereabouts were right around the late 1960s. And as of today, nobody is really sure where the ring
0: (gasps) is. Nobody knows where it is? According to this. Hopefully it got flushed down the toilet.
1: (laughs) I don't think they're going to flush a ring down the toilet. I believe that's toilet, by the way. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a few little tidbits about Rudolph Valentino. Because I thought this, this was some cool stuff. Did you know that every week since his death, a lady in black has brought fresh flowers to his gravesite? It's been 92 years, and it's still happening Today,
0: Oh, my gosh. That lady keeps doing that?
1: Somebody's doing it. So, we don't know if it's a ghost or if it's just a real woman continued tradition.
0: Well, I mean, I guess we'll know when they quit showing up. Well, I mean, she's I, a, she's
1: I, I find it hard to believe that 92 years, it's going to be the same woman. Because even if she was a kid when she started.
0: Oh, yeah. She'd be in her hundreds.
1: <laughs> her what?
0: Her hundreds.
1: <laughs> so... You know, it could just be like the Watcher that we did, where after a period of years, I'd give it over to somebody else, and now it's your turn yeah. to do this. I don't know.
0: And they haven't missed a year.
1: And haven't missed a year oh. in ninety-two years since his death. That's happened every week.
0: Oh, that's so nice.
1: I was reading about somebody who said that they had just been out there, um, and they, and the same thing had happened. Somebody had just been there earlier that week. Where's he thing. buried again? In Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Wow. Apparently, Valentino likes to travel a lot, too, because his ghost is, like, reported all over L.A. Falcon Lair, which is the uh, Beverly Beverly Hills house that he lived in when he died. He only lived there for a year because he had just got it. He lived there for a year, and then he passed away. But it's one of those places where he is seen a lot.
0: Well, so I mean, he didn't even get time to enjoy the daggone thing.
1: Well, I guess not. So
0: he's going to hang around and get his money's worth.
1: There's an actor by the name of Harry Carey, not the baseball Harry Carey. But he owned the home at one point after Valentino's death. And he said that he encountered the ghost of, of Valentino there several times. There was another name, lady, lady by the name of Millicent Rogers. She spent one night there. And the ghost chased her off. <laughs> she said his, his apparition has appeared in dark corridors in, in the uh, and in his former bedroom, mainly. He's also shown up in the old stables where his beloved horse was kept. One stable worker saw Valentino petting one of the horses. He walked to the front gate, walked out, and never came back. There's another story that says that a caretaker had a face-to-face encounter when he was turned and started, you know, one night. And then he just turned and started running down the canyon, screaming his head off, scared to death, and it was the middle of the night. Oh,
0: gosh. He's brave to run in the middle of the night. (laughs)
1: People that pass by the property say that you can uh, see a man staring out of the second floor window of the house, and they remark that he looks a lot like Valentino without even knowing that this was Valentino's house. Oh, gosh. Because most of the time when people see him, he's got his chic
0: costume yeah. mm-hmm.
1: on. So not too long after Valentino died, there was a woman visiting from Seattle, and she decided to stay at the house. She was up late writing some letters, and she hears some footsteps. She goes into the hallway to check it out then she sees doors opening and closing all on their own. She was all alone in her house except for Valentino's watchdogs, Rudy and Brownie. They were his beloved Great Danes. Mm -hmm. The dogs have been trained to bark and snap at any intruder except for himself, Valentino. And she remarked that the dogs seemed to have... um, like, they were, like, eerily quiet that night. They were not disturbed at all by the things that were going on. Mm-hmm. Which led her to believe that that was that probably- That he was her. That was His him. spirit.
0: Aw. Good doggies.
1: So there's the story about Valentino's ring.
0: That's awesome. It's pretty creepy.
1: It is pretty creepy.
0: I just wonder where the heck that ring went. That, and if anybody found it today and put it on and stuff would happen. Who oh, no,
1: knows? So there could be people dropping right and left, and we don't know, and it's all because of that ring. Oh. I would think that would be. It's probably an heirloom now. Yeah. Hey, before we get into the James Dean story, which I find maybe even more fascinating than Mm -hmm. this one. Before we get into that, I want to thank Raymond Garcia. Mm -hmm. Raymond Garcia sent us something that I didn't even realize how generous a gift it was until earlier today. But he um, went to an Aussie concert. About ten years ago, and he bought two like VIP tickets, mm-hmm. and he said with the VIP tickets, which cost six hundred and sixty-six dollars. By the way, uh-uh. six uh-huh. six six.
0: No, you're lying. No,
1: that's what it cost. But you got like the lanyard and the uh you know the VIP pass mm-hmm. on there. It was like a pre-concert party that they got to go to, and it was like tickets within the first five rows. But one of the other things that they gave him was. A special edition Ozzy Osbourne Ouija board. And he got two of these things because he had bought two tickets. Mm -hmm. And he uh, sent us a message while we were in Houston and said, Hey, I'd I'd like to send you one of these that I've still got. It's still in the plastic and everything. And uh, he sent it to us. It's so awesome. Of course, I'll never open it up. Mm -mm. But I just happened to look just for um, fun. To see, you know, how rare these things were. And these things are selling for like 250 bucks. Mm-hmm. And he just sent that to us for free.
0: Oh, very nice. How Thank awesome you. is that? That's very sweet. So, Or he's trying to get a curse out of his house. One.
1: Either way. Either way. <laughs> and I will say, since we've had it.
0: <laughs> like seriously.
1: we I brought it home like two nights ago. And... um our daughter was walking down the steps and she had seen, this is just a coincidence, but she saw some Hillbilly Horror Story cards laying on the steps, like every two steps. And she had just gotten up, it was like three o'clock in the morning or something. So she films this thinking, how weird is it that these things are just laying on the steps? uh uh-huh. And she thinks it's got something to do with the Ouija board being in the house. (laughs) In reality, I had it in my shirt pocket. And when I walked up the steps, I was carrying my shirt instead of wearing it. And Mm -hmm. they just fell out as I walked up the steps. But it was funny. But then she turns around yesterday and cut her wrist uh, on doing, she was doing some yard work. And there was uh, some broken glass in the back, and she cut her wrist, had to go to the emergency room. Tracy took her up there. And in a day, she hits her leg on something. Mm-hmm. So, so something's up. Yeah, she's not, well, she's not, at least, she's not feeling this Ouija board being in the house. <laughs> Even though it has nothing to do with that, it was just a bunch of coincidence that all happened in the last two days. So, Yeah. But I did want to say a big thank you to uh, Raymond for sending that. that yeah, thank you, honey. It awesome really nice
0: of you to do that.
1: It will remain in my possession until my death, which. Probably won't be too long after this, considering everything else that's happening Same with it. But you know.
0: don't
1: say that. Oh, I got good life insurance. Don't worry about it. They're covered. <sighs> yeah, but I still don't want you You're to. are covered. Go. Anyways, let's get into this, James Dean. We're going to talk about the Houston trip after this because I know some people just want to hear about the show and they don't want to hear us blab. So, you people who like to hear us blab, we'll talk about that after this. But we got a bunch of cool stuff to tell you about Houston and Patreons that we didn't get to last week and all that. All right, James Dean. Are you familiar with who James Dean is? Yes. Well, I just wanted to make sure. Maybe some people don't. So James Dean is obviously what makes that so funny, one of the most iconic Hollywood figures ever. I would put him and Marilyn Monroe maybe as the two most famous just mm-hmm. people. Because you see them, when they're always shooting pool together and stuff. And <laughs> James Dean was born and raised in Indiana. And he eventually made it to Hollywood. We're not going to go a whole lot into his his life, but I'm going to tell you enough to, to get you by in case you don't know a lot about him. He was born in 1931 and tragically died in 1955 at the age of 24 years old. His first acting job was a Pepsi commercial. How about that? Mm-hmm. He landed a few little small bit parts on some, some TV shows and some movies. His first big role was in a movie called East of Eden in 1953. Now, that was followed up by two other big smashes, Giant and Rebel Without a Cause, which is what most people tend to know him for. In that movie, he played a, a rebellious, stereotypical teenager like you would see all over the place, like think Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Um, but until that movie, you didn't see any of that on the big screen. It was like every teenager was well-behaved or this and that. This was the first movie where... It showed teenager acting out and just, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my thing. I'm
0: going to do what I want. So
1: it kind of started, you know, of course, he's known for the jeans and the T-shirt look and the famous red jacket that he wore in that movie. So James Dean, of course, died in 1955. But he was then nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor, making him the first actor ever to receive a um Posthumous nomination for an Academy Award.
0: That he's did.
1: He actually has two nominations, and he is the only actor to this day that has two posthumous oh, wow. Academy Award nominations. So James was a daredevil of sorts. He uh, was definitely interested in things that would show how out there he was. He loved bullfighting. He loved auto racing. Not just watching, participating. So in 1954, James Dean started having an interest in a racing career. So with some of the money that he earned from East of Eden, he bought a Porsche 356 and a Triumph Tiger T110. He completed his first professional race at Palm Springs Road Races right before he started filming Rebel Without a Cause. He got first place for the Novice event and he got second in the main event, so he was kind of a natural at this. He finished first in his class and third overall in his next in the next month at the Bakersfield, California race that he was in. So his goal was obviously to go to the Indy Five Hundred, which there was no NASCAR or anything back then. Mm-hmm. That's what these were. That was basically the Indy Five Hundred was the race, but that was tough because of his filming schedule. Especially if we just covered, he filmed basically three movies in a two-year period. Mm-hmm. His last race was May thirtieth, nineteen fifty-five, in Santa Barbara. On Memorial Day, he blew a motor and he couldn't even finish that race. And then Warner Brothers banned him from racing while he was filming Giant. Because they obviously they want to make sure that nothing happens to him and yeah. he finishes the movie. So once the movie was finished, he set his sights back on racing again. He was scheduled to race in uh, Salinas, California on October 1st and 2nd in 1955. So by now, Dean had purchased a Porsche 550 Spider, known as Little Bastard. He had upgraded to this car while he was filming Rebel Without a Cause. As he started getting in more money, mm-hmm. he started getting little nicer cars. So he decided to customize this car. He called George Barris, who was a famed movie car designer. He was, you know, most of the movies back then that had cars and stuff. He was the one that that pretty much did all the special effects, or you know, on the cars. He gave it tartan seats, which is plaid. Ah. <laughs> Two red racing stripes that were over the rear wheels, and the number one thirty on the door, the hood, and the engine cover. So Bill Hickman, who was uh, James Dean's stunt coordinator for his movies, is the one who gave it the nickname "the little bastard."
0: What's one thirty
1: for? I don't know why the one thirty. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what the significance of that was. Or maybe that's just because that that was the number that he... Because he was going to race this car. This was not just a car he would drive. This oh, was the car that he it. raced. race. So oh, it, okay. you had to have a number. So, But okay. I don't know why he chose 130. Mm-hmm. What, what Herbie the love bug. What did he have? Was it 30? 55?
0: Oh, why did I get three? Oh, that's, down hard. that's Dale Earnhardt, ain't it? Yeah, three? I can see how you get Dale Earnhardt and Herbie, <laughs> the, Herbie the love, love bug
1: <laughs> <laughs> mixed I think up. it was 55, actually. <laughs> Herbie the enforcer. Uh, the intimidator. That's what it do. <laughs> anyway, so... They had the uh, the pinstriping on there, so they called in a guy named Dean Jeffries, who was like a master pinstriper, and after Bill Hickman, like, like I said, who was his uh, stunt corner, he's the one nicknamed it Little Bastard, they called this guy Dean Jeffries and who was the master pinstriper, and he pinstriped Little Bastard on there. So on t- September 23rd, 1955, James Dean met Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, not really, but he did not meet Alec Guinness, who played Obi-Wan Kenobi. Alec was somewhat of a prophet because Dean met him outside of this little restaurant. And Guinness told him that that car had a sinister appearance. And he told him, if you get in that car, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week.
0: Oh my gosh, what a thing to tell somebody.
1: Seven days later, on September 30th, Dean is headed to his race in Salinas, California. So he's being followed by Bill Hickman the guy was the, that was his stunt coordinator, and photographer Sanford Roth behind him. So they're they're following him. Uh-huh. In his car, it was him and a German mechanic from uh, the Porsche factory, Roth Wuthrich. He actually maintained the car and all yeah. that stuff. Now, this is a fairly new car. So he recommended that Dean actually drive the car from L.A. to Salinas to break it in. So, he's in the Porsche with Dean. They're riding. At 3.30, Dean got a speeding ticket. And so did Hickman behind him because he was trying to keep up. Yeah. So, they both got speeding tickets. At 5.45 p.m., they're on their way back or uh, to Salinas. A 1950 Ford Tudor was turning left at the intersection. Dean was going so fast that he couldn't stop in time and he slammed into the side of the Ford Tudor oh lord dean's car went bouncing across the road landing on the side of the highway Woolrick was thrown from the car and dean was trapped in the car he suffered numerous injuries including a broken neck several bystanders witnessed the accident and they stopped to help including a nurse who said dean had a very weak pulse he was listed as dead on arrival at Paso Rubles or Memorial Hospital. The driver of the Ford, Donald Turnipseed. That is not his name. That's his name. Donald Turnipseed. Only had minor injuries.
0: Well, thank goodness for that. What about the guy that was thrown out?
1: Wuthark survived the crash. As he well. did? Yeah. As a matter of fact, he lived all the way to like the nineteen nineties. So oh my he lived a you know, pretty long life.
0: Gosh, can you imagine being driving behind him and see that happen?
1: The accident was listed as Dean's fault due to speeding. So there was a little controversy over this, though, because um, a state p- highway patrol officer that was there on site later, back in, I, I want to say in the 1990s, mm-hmm. um, came out in an interview and said that he's the way the wreckage was and the position of the body. It indicated that he probably was going more like fifty-five miles an hour. Really, which was still enough to do the damage. Oh, yeah, of course. But it's not like you're going a hundred. So, but in my opinion, maybe he. Would, if you put on your brakes and try to stop, you know, you could. It could look like you were going fifty-five because maybe you were at the time, but mm-hmm. you could have still been speeding. But I'm, I'm not an expert at that by any means. James Dean's funeral was on October eighth, nineteen fifty-five, in Fairmont, Indiana. Six hundred mourners. We inside, and another twenty four hundred gathered outside the funeral home, so that's just a little history mm-hmm. of James Dean and that car. so let's talk about the curse of the car itself. This car not only killed James Dean but it killed and maimed others who came in contact with it.
0: You mean that the car wasn't totaled?
1: well, and what do you mean? We're getting ready to get in all that. Oh. George Barris, the guy who customized it, put in the plaid seats that you hated. He bought the wreckage for Mm -hmm. $2,500. What was left of it? So right after that, he had it shipped off on a trailer, but it slipped off the trailer and broke a mechanic's leg. (sighs) Barris decided he was going to part it out some. He wanted to keep the main wreckage. He wanted to part some of that stuff that was still good. He sold the drivetrain and a motor to Troy McHenry and a gentleman by the name of William Esridge. One of them used the motor for his car and the other used the drivetrain for his car. So they were racing each other. Now, <laughs> McHenry lost control of his car and hit a tree, killing him instantly. <gasps> Esridge's car suddenly locked up and rolled over while he was going into a turn causing serious injuries to him. So both of these cars that had, apart from this vehicle, during the same race, racing each other, both had accidents, killing one, severely injuring another. So Barris still had two tires left, though, that weren't damaged from this wreck. Probably, I'm assuming, the back tires. He decided, since they were in perfect condition, he was going to sell them. He sold them both to the exact same person. they put them on their car. Once they were installed, both of them blew out at the exact same time, causing the new, new owner's car to run off the road. Barrett still had the, wreck, the rest of the wreckage, except for the parts, you know, that he had just sold off. Somebody else wanted that wreckage. Two thieves, as a matter of fact. So, they break into his place, and they were going to steal what was left of the car, just so they could have a piece of it. Mm-hmm. One of them had his arm ripped wide open while he was attempting to steal the steering wheel.
0: That's what you get.
1: The other was injured trying to remove the blood-stained seat. So due to all this, Barris decided to hide the car. I mean, is he starting to... I guess he's...
0: See? Or he just don't want nobody stealing what's left of the car? he just
1: don't want nobody stealing what's left of the car. So he decides he's going to hide it. But the California Highway Patrol, Chips... They persuade him to lend it to them so they could do a highway safety exhibit. Mm -hmm. You know, what better way to teach people not to speed than, hey, this is James Eden's car. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how famous you are, speeding Mm -hmm. can get you killed. Well, the first exhibit that they did didn't quite go as planned. (laughs) Because the garage they put it in caught fire and burned to the ground.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Mysteriously, though, the car suffered zero damage. This is
0: like Christine. It is
1: like Christine. This is creepy. The second exhibit was at a high school. It fell off of the exhibit and broke a student's hip. The curse continued when Little Bastard was being transported. The driver of the truck lost control, which caused him to fall out of the truck. The car then fell off the transport truck and crushed and killed him. This guy falls out of the truck. The car miraculously falls off the truck and rolls over him and kills him. And if you think that's crazy, the car fell off of two more transport trucks while traveling down the freeway. Luckily, nobody was injured. This thing fell off of three trucks. Mm -hmm. Now, you know the cars don't just fall off of trucks. No, they don't. Or maybe it was that guy and it fell off the turnip Uh truck. (laughs) 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 Okay, sorry, that's not funny. <laughs> so, California Highway Patrol had enough of this, so they ship it back to Barris. During transport, the car mysteriously vanished and has not been seen since.
0: Ever in this life?
1: Ne- ever. Never, ever, ever.
0: Stop.
1: It's said that there is one single piece left of the vehicle that's in a historic auto attraction museum in Illinois. But I haven't been able to confirm that.
0: Oh, whoa. That is crazy. You know, that's how daddy's brother died. He was drag racing down 22.
1: Huh.
0: And uh, his, he lost control and the uh, car flipped. It uh, threw him out and it landed on top of him and crushed him. <sighs> yeah. He was very young,
1: too. So what do you think about those that stories?
0: That is a whoa.
1: Which one you like? Which one you like better? You like the Valentino story or you like the James Dean story?
0: I think I like the James Dean story better. It's
1: crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <gasps> See, ninja, I told you it was worth the wait. You just gotta be patient.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that was pretty intense.
1: Okay, so Houston, how awesome was that?
0: Houston was such a blast. I mean, we met so many great people. Um, I mean, I just don't know how to describe it. It was just awesome. It was very great. We had a great time.
1: It was, everybody was so nice. Oh,
0: extremely nice.
1: It was so much fun uh, being able to do a show with uh, Sasquatch Chronicles and uh, the confessionals, Tony and Wes. It's the first time we ever got to meet them in person. Uh, Dina, of course, we've done some shows with. We'll be doing some more shows in the future because we just set up New York, and we'll probably have Philly set up by yeah, the end of the week. We love Dina. We'll talk more a little more about that in a little bit. But man, I'm telling you, Houston is such a great city. If you live in Houston, you should be proud you because be. it was it was awesome.
0: It was. Galveston was great too.
1: Galveston I would love to move to. It was miraculous. Mm-hmm. Uh as far as just how calming it was as soon as we got there. It's yeah. like, man, how could you just not want to live there? Mm-hmm. And so nice. much history. Um we had a chance to meet uh one of our listeners, Jody, there.
0: Oh my gosh, love her and her boys.
1: We, Jody, Trent, and Dylan. We got to have breakfast with them mm-hmm. one morning before we uh, headed to Houston. She brought us this awesome uh, ghost stories of Galveston yes, book. Yes, and she was filling us in, and we actually got some uh, stories from her mm-hmm. that we're going to play uh, on the Patreon episode for the listener stories yeah. for the first of the month.
0: Very very nice family, and it was just a real honor to meet you guys. Her boys are adorable. And uh, she's just great. She's a great person.
1: And Trent uh, fell in love with Tracy. He thought she was just so funny.
0: (laughs) Oh, he's a sweetheart.
1: (laughs) And Dylan, we got a chance to to, um, spend a little one-on-one time. So that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, One of my best memories of the entire trip was that breakfast. Absolutely.
0: I agree 100%. And the food was good, too.
1: Oh, it absolutely was.
0: Yeah, it was a great time. And um, I hope we can go back soon because, like you said, we loved it there. It, Only it was, this time I'd like to fly because my ass hurt the whole way down there yeah. and back, just saying
1: well, it's a long flight too, your ass hurt on a plane,
0: no, not that long.
1: Our but seats are probably more comfortable than <laughs>
0: <plain> seats. <laughs> probably
1: so we had that, oh, that was so and fun. and uh, so but yeah, that was a blast, and it's the first time we'd ever done two shows in the in, in the same day that was great it was a very long day, but you oh, you didn't, I didn't it didn't even seem feel like, like it, was. it was that long,
0: yeah, it was great,
1: but um. The day of the show, we got to meet our two Kentucky girls, Shasta and Michelle, who mm-hmm. flew a thousand miles to come see that show. Of course, it wasn't just for us. No. Obviously, they liked, uh-uh. they liked uh, the other shows that were there, so that worked out perfect they for were them.
0: sweethearts, too.
1: So, But yeah, that was it was fun, man. It was just, uh, a lot of times we do these shows, we drive straight in, and, and then we drive straight out afterwards, and we don't get a chance to spend the time there like we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoying the place we're at but this was super fun so yeah yeah, i can't wait to go back
0: i can't either and we felt very blessed to have met you guys and
1: very humbled
0: very humbled let me tell you that man uh, you guys are just awesome we completely love you all and thank you so much for your support
1: There was a guy who stood up in the second show Uh that uh, he he kind of put himself really out there, very vulnerable. Yeah. He walked out basically to the middle of the crowd and just stood up and just told all of us that how happy he was to give – that all the shows there give an avenue for people who have seen things to mm-hmm. be able to talk about it and not feel like they're some kind of a weirdo or something yeah. but because they've seen something. And it was very heartfelt and very mm-hmm. um, sure gripping. And then uh, what about Bob Gimlin?
0: Oh, mm. I love missing Bob.
1: Bob Gimlin, who's obviously famous for the Patterson Gimlin film uh of bigfoot back in 1967 was there 87 years young and bob was a a dynamo he was full oh, yeah. of energy He was
0: so sweet very very nice man
1: but it was so awesome being able to meet him mm-hmm. and have him as well, part of the yeah. event i mean yeah, my goodness a great extra treat so all right just to uh we're going to talk about some iTunes reviews and some Patreon. We'll breeze through them because there's a lot of them. Because we mm-hmm. had to go two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we'll tell you about some uh, upcoming stuff on some shows and stuff we got going. Mm-hmm. All right. iTunes reviews. Nestor Girl. Crime Obsessed. Noob Chicken. Types. Could be tips. T-P-Y-Z. WC with Z-S or five. According to Tracy's hearing. J-Q-F-8-9. Angel Asaba. K mom twenty two Chuck Warwick, D. five eight oh three Keeney, fair please Davis ninety two twelve Raven Nation one Mike seven two four four Blake Johnson, this username can't be taken.
0: <laughs> that was fun. It <laughs> is fun. Yeah, thank you guys for your reviews. They were all very very kind.
1: Patreon, new subscribers. Jennifer, Candace Polio, Jeff Guptill, Katie Schultz, Matthew Madrill, Shay Wilson, Preston Headley, Lynn Walker, Jody Young, who we just spoke about mm-hmm. a few seconds ago in Galveston, James Deacon, Don Doan, and Val. Thank you so much. You guys so are much.
0: awesome. Thank you for your support. It means the world to us.
1: And those Patreon supporters, and we mentioned this on the Patreon show that we did the other day. You guys that sign up and donate that money are what enables us to be able to take trips to like Houston uh-huh. because, you know, we've said this before. We do not make money off of these shows. I mean, maybe a couple bucks every here and there if it, if it works out right. But, you know, for like a trip to Houston, there's a lot of travel involved, a lot of expenses involved and it makes it hard to do those shows. Um, for that reason, but when you guys are, you know, that money that you guys donate, we put that back into the show by mm-hmm. enabling us to get out to you. And it's not because we want to get a, a, a vacation, it's because we want to get out to as many of you guys as oh, possible. So that's why we're trying to do more shows than we've mm-hmm. ever done. We're trying to reach out a little further and uh, that makes it all possible. So we thank you for that.
0: Thank you so much, guys. We love you.
1: Because last year we couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That wasn't within two hours of the house because we, because it didn't, if you had to pay one night for a vacation, uh, for a vacation, if you had to pay one night for a hotel room, you lost money on the deal, which we're not, you know, it's not like we're trying to make money off of it, but you know, you got to be able to at least be able to afford what you do. So that meant trips going eight, nine hours away. It just wouldn't affordable for us to be able to do. But like this year we went to Houston, we're going to the Sally house and now we're doing Philadelphia, New York. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that one real quick while we're on that situation. We just booked this literally yesterday. New York City. How cool is this? We found a spot that is in Queens. So we're right in the heart of the city. It is a VFW, not a VFW, an American Legion's post. Mm -hmm. So it's military oriented, fits right in with what we do. It's across from a cemetery and it's haunted ask for more than that no i mean it's perfect it's perfect and it kind of just fell in our lap so um only got a hundred seats in there and i've said this before i can't figure it out for the life of me new york city is our biggest market and it's not even close (laughs) we look at the percentage of listens like whatever listens we had last week seven percent of them out of all those listens came from new york city and the next closest city was 1.8 percent that's crazy so right? when i say it's not even close new york has three to four times the listens of any other city that's so, amazing and then dina's going to be with us twisted philly mm-hmm. so it's just going to be two of us but the people at the uh at the american legion are going to come up and tell us about some of the crazy stuff that's happened there oh cool so it's going to be really cool yeah so excited i'm excited about, about that. that one that one's not going to have any food at it but it will have an, a bar there you go So up. you'll get to drink
0: They'll have spirits and they'll have spirits. There
1: you go. (laughs) And you can eat beforehand. Or maybe we'll just bring some hot dogs to roast. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, that'd be cool. And by the end of this week, so by the time the show comes out next week, we should have all the details for Philly. Uh, It is going to be the next day. So this one, the the New York show is going to be October 11th on a Friday night. Philly will be the next day uh, on October 12th. And like I said, we've got a couple of places. We're just narrowing down which place we're going to do it at. But it's for sure happening. So good. Awesome. And we've already got uh, New York up on the website, so if it's something you want to jump on and get tickets, it might seem like October's a long ways away, but um, keep in mind, these Houston shows sold out three months in advance, and there mm-hmm. was 200 tickets for those, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's going to sell out quick. Yeah. The next show, Bobby Mackey's is coming up. It's been sold out, so we really not no point in mentioning that, but the next show after that is, what is it, June 22nd? In yes. Indianapolis. Yes. Us. Justin Rimmel, Ohio, and Natasha Ali. Well, it's not Ali anymore. Natasha Anker. Mm-hmm. She keeps changing her name Mummy. That's what happens when you get famous and superstar. <laughs> so Natasha Anchor from uh, Hillbilly Horror House, Amber from the show, is going to be there with us. So yeah, it's going to be uh, great. It's going to be fun. And that place is at a moose lodge. What's up with that?
0: I don't know. Isn't that great? But I love it's those got places. A, it's got a
1: diner inside Gina's Diner, and they have Killer food is what everybody told us that they have just killer food. Mm-hmm. So that one's going to be fun. Good, and hope you like it because we're going back there again in September <laughs> with Shane with uh, Shane and and uh, his uh, the Shadows podcast.
0: Lot well, of fun times ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, loving it.
0: Thank you guys so much.
1: So that's pretty much all we've got for this week. Yeah, we love you guys, and uh, we appreciate you more every week. Trust me. Um, I just I just can't believe we're lucky enough to be in this situation, and that's the way yeah. we feel about it.
0: Yeah, blessed and lucky to have all you wonderful people as our family now. It's amazing. So our hearts are very full. Yes, they are. And I hope you guys have a blessed week. We'll be back to normal, going to work five days. What's up with that? <laughs> but <laughs> but we're gonna um. Get back on our schedule, and I just hope you all have a blessed week.
1: Talk to you later, guys.
0: Bye.